0: Just a quick warning, this podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. My story is not average. I was once told I had a million to one shot at turning my life around. My comeback was against all odds and it started when I told my story of institutional sexual abuse. I am Russell Manser and this is The Stick Up. Growing up in Mount Druitt, I was impressed by the criminals. They had the nice cars, the nice clothes, and the good lifestyle. And I wanted to be like them. I come from a good pro-social family, and none of my siblings had ever engaged in any type of antisocial behaviour. But it'd be fair to say I had good role models in my family members. But I gravitated to the fast money, the fast lifestyle. My life of crime started in my early teens. By the time I was 15 years old, I was sentenced to six months at the notorious Darrick Boys Home, southwest of Sydney, in Windsor. Darrick Boys Home was a place where they sent kids that were under the age of 16 years of age, kids that had committed criminal offences. Uh, but also, some kids that were there were just state wards. Whilst I was at Derrick, I didn't escape the sexual and physical abuse that was prolific there, that later became the subject of a 60 Minutes story. The sexual abuse that happened to me and physical abuse that happened to me at Derek created a massive void within me that could only be filled with the use of illicit drugs. I had a void in me. I had things. I had things that I'd never had before. I had guilt, shame, anger, confusion... And, you know, I really hated myself. This was something that wasn't in part of my DNA before I went to Derrick. At Derrick, I'd done my apprenticeship in how to steal Porsches, how to break into sports stores. It was sort of like a college of criminal knowledge. Once I left Derrick, I gravitated to drug users, and they looked like people that were numbing themselves, and that's what I wanted to do. But I also gravitated to people who had escalated their criminal offending, like by stealing Porsches and breaking into sports stores. And that's what I did. I got out, I'd done my apprenticeship at Derrick and how to steal a Porsche. On one occasion, I got released from the Cobham Boys' Home, which was located at Warrington, western suburbs of Sydney. My friend picked me up in a stolen car. We had every intentions of going and stealing a Porsche that night, and that's what we did. Later that night were engaged in a high-speed Porsche chase with me at the wheel. It was the first time in Sydney that they'd used a police helicopter to chase stolen cars, and it was to my demise. I got arrested over in Manly, and the next day I fronted the Badura Children's Court, and the judge thought it was in the best interest of the public to sentence me to 12 months in an adult prison as a 16-year-old to stop me from reoffending in future. I was only a kid at the time. And I don't think the best place for a young, blonde-headed, blue-eyed kid would have been at the Long Bay Central Industrial Complex. I was housed with some of the worst sex offenders and degenerates at the time of New South Wales. I didn't escape the sexual abuse and the physical abuse and the threats. I was introduced to the drug heroin, which later became a big part of my life and a comfort to me to deal with the trauma that I was going through. I ended up spending eight months of a 12-month sentence. I was released back into the community with a bigger void than I'd had previously. I'd learned about heroin and how to numb my feelings and my shame, and I gravitated to Cabramatta, which had an influx of heroin at the time. I encountered my first heroin habit addiction at the age of 18, which led me to reoffending, and in this case I'd broken into some department stores and I was apprehended and sent back to Long Bay but this time in a mainstream prison where I was much safer. Mm-hmm. I gravitated to bank robbers. I was really fascinated by bank robbers. They were the rock stars of the criminal world at the time and I wanted to know everything about it. I was like a young eager apprentice wanting to apply his trade. I ended up spending two years In prison, I ended up getting 11 years with a non-parole period of four years and ended up spending a bit over two and a half years in prison. I was released from the Goldman prison and I had had no intentions of going straight and becoming a law-abiding citizen. I wanted to rob banks. I recall one time I was working for my brother as an electrician's assistant and we had a a flexi day on a Monday and I decided to rob my first bank. I was always told by the bank robbers in prison to be a real bank robber, you have to rob one on your own. And that's what I did. I went to the Salvation Army and I bought a a, a big carving knife for about $4. And I walked into the Commonwealth Bank in Gordon and robbed that bank on my own. I think I got about $17,000. I was later charged with that bank, so I can talk about that now. But I had the frill. I'd felt the frill. People had told me in the past about skydiving and, and that sort of stuff. And they said, it's got nothing on robbing a bank. And I got it. I got that feeling of the frill. It was never about overpowering people for me was about the money and the chase. I went on to rob five banks. I went on to live a lifestyle that was beyond my wildest dreams. I didn't have to look at price tags. I could buy what car I wanted, what motorbike I wanted, what jewellery I wanted. Money was never an issue. The lifestyle I'd had, coming from the Housing Commission area like myself, where everyone battled, was rock star. I ended up getting apprehended for those bank robberies, five in total, and two escapes, I ended up spending 23 years in prison. My life changed when I told my story to the Royal Commission of Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse. The abuse itself was always the underlying issue of my offending behaviour and my trauma. I received trauma counselling for the first time and I was identified that it wasn't my fault and it didn't deserve what to happen and it shouldn't have been part of the punishment that the courts handed to me. When I told my story to the Royal Commission... I felt relieved, I thought, finally someone recognises my own madness. And through trauma counselling, I worked out ways to deal with that trauma itself. Today, things are a lot different. Today, I have an organisation, The Voice of the Survivor, that supports survivors of institutional abuse. I know that my calling is to be of assistance to other survivors. I know that I have an ability to help people heal. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. I am hoping that I can reach out to as many people as I can and inspire them to tell their stories and help them overcome adversity. Just like I did. Today, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. Today, I have self-worth, self-confidence. And I like who I am. I no longer blame myself for what had happened to me. I'm a survivor, not a victim. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I talk to an array of people from different walks of life that have overcome adversity, that have their own stories of transformation and gone on to create success of their lives. I am Russell Manser, and this is The Sticker.